You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. The Seahawks have won back-to-back games in spectacular and almost identical fashions. It has kept Seattle in the playoff conversation. And, John Boyle, I think Pete Carroll was ahead of the game when it comes to New Year's resolutions. Yeah, how so? Well, he was resolute in his belief this team could be a playoff team and would be better for all of the challenges and adversity that they have faced along the year. Yeah, and this is where we're starting to see it play out. I mean, they had that just brutal stretch of schedule that unfortunately they they lost four in a row, first time they've done that under Pete Carroll. But in the middle of that, to your point, he was saying like, he, he didn't say like if, he said when we get to the playoffs, we're going to be better for this. And I think at the time, a lot of people were like, eh, they got no shot. And look, they still got work to do. They got to take care of business, but they have put themselves back in that position of they control their own destiny and they're looking a lot better these last couple of weeks. Well, and for a second straight week, post-game interviews included the word resiliency. Yeah. All in different ways, all by different guys. I don't think that that was Pete's message after the game because generally a player will say that's what Pete reminded us of after the game or after the game the message was X, Y, or Z. They're just using that word independently I think just as the as the point's been made, you had to learn some lessons the hard way. You had some young guys that had to learn lessons for the first time. And now that they have won back-to-back games in the final minute of the game, there is a different confidence level. And to be clear and to be fair, you would like to put games away early yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it would be nice if they right. have to win that way. But I love the stat that the PR department pulled out this week. Which one? There's been quite a few. Well, I was thinking about two different quarterbacks throwing the game-winning pass in with under minute, a minute yeah. to go. First time, um, second time second ever, time first time, time ever. since 1999. And their Seattle the, ties the to the Dolphins. first time it happened, yeah. Well, Pete Carroll was on the wrong end of one of those. Yes, Pete Carroll was on the wrong end, but that was Dan Marino, and it was Damon Hewitt. Yeah. Did you see they sent a bottle, I saw this on Instagram, they sent a bottle of wine with from their wine, what's their winery called? Passing, Passing time. time about the sign you know for joining them in history so I thought yes that was fun. shout out to the winemaker love him have a couple bottles of that at home that will be opened later not today <laughs> maybe while After i'm really listening podcast. to this podcast you know whichever it's the hey, holiday you know. season sure okay look here's the thing seattle has done enough to win two straight games you still need to win out you do control your own destiny but you have to win out to do that when I look at this Pittsburgh team and I think, John, anytime you play AFC teams, I'm always just a little bit surprised, right? Because yeah. I am not the fantasy football expert. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, but I'm always just a little surprised because of the way that we hear storylines and like our expectations. And then you start diving into some of the numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's always with the NFC teams, especially the division, you're paying so much closer attention. And with these AFC opponents, you only see every so often it's... As you said, you know, there's different storylines you hear. And, I mean, the big storyline about the Steelers in the last few weeks was that they were just dead and on their way to oblivion after three straight losses. And then they bounced back and beat a very good Bengals team pretty thoroughly in Cincinnati. With a backup quarterback. Now, yeah. 
Both teams had backup quarterbacks. We'll get into why they won that game in just a second. But when you start looking at this matchup, you've got two teams with the same record. You've got two quarterback, two, excuse me, two head coaches that are among the most winning coaches in NFL history. And across the board, the numbers are really similar on both sides of the ball. This is a tough matchup at Lumen Field. Absolutely. Again, I, I think a lot of fans were looking at it the last few weeks thinking it wasn't, but you know, Tomlin is going to have his team playing hard. They are just like just like the Seahawks. Uh, you know, they lose four in a row, and maybe a lot of people outside of Seattle wrote them off. They weren't going to just lay down, and they, you know, that word you brought up earlier, resilience, they showed it the last couple of weeks, and the Steelers have similar traits under Mike Tomlin. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a real tough fight. They've got big-time playmakers on both sides of the ball, so... It's uh, there's nothing easy about this game. Okay, so let's start diving into this matchup. Let's start with the quarterback, since that seems to be where most of the conversations start in any sort of matchup. It is not just a backup. It's actually the third string quarterback. It'll be Mason Rudolph that we expect to see starting this week. He has only played in 19 career games. He's got a 61% completion percentage. It was a little bit redundant on my part, but having said that, for Pete Carroll, he kind of knows what to expect there you know he, he's been around for a few years he's started a number of games we got all kinds of film on him so we can see him big strong arm good-looking kid looked great the other night threw some dropped some dimes on him and, and uh, made some huge plays it gave him a real spark uh, where they jump you know to 21 zip you know right off the bat and and uh it's obvious you know that he lifted him and, and they got great play out of other guys too the turnovers and all that helped but um he was right in the middle of all that I did see, uh, it was funny, one of the Steelers beat writers pointed this out because in a mailbag forum, it was like, because you say he's a third-string quarterback and they brought up Mitch Trubisky, and the, the answer to the question was like, well, look, if he started over Mitch Trubisky, he's not the third string. So the depth chart might need a little updating. But, yeah, I mean, it, we've seen a lot of teams around the league this year making changes at quarterback, and it you know they had to do it because of injury with Kenny Pickett, but – they liked it enough what they saw out of Rudolph that they want to you know go with the hot hand and I get it he you know he was finding their best playmaker in Pickens and making big plays and when you are fighting for your playoff life I can see where you want to stick with the hot hand there. Well, you talk about a big victory over Cincinnati. It was a 34-11 win against the Bengals. Now, Jake Browning was the starting quarterback for the Bengals. He threw three interceptions in that game, and as a result, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I almost said Pirates, that would be my baseball background coming through. Uh, Pittsburgh ended up scoring 17 points off those turnovers. Here's what amazes me about this. Not that you scored points off of turnovers, because that's exactly what you should be doing. The 34 points scored are the most Pittsburgh has scored since 2021. Wow. Really? Right. So the number that stands out, when you look at this this. comparable list of stats here the Steelers are averaging just 17 points a game this year this was the first time they had won a game by more than one score yeah they're like the Seahawks they've been winning a lot of close games this year both those teams are eight and seven with negative point differentials so um yeah that that surprised me, though, that they've gone that long without scoring that many points. Okay, here's a couple of other things. And part of this, we heard Bobby Wagner talk about it this week. Part of this is the wide receiver, particularly Pickens, got behind the corner, so you ended up with these explosive plays. Best game of his career, a hundred and where did I have this at here? 195 yards, four receptions, four yeah. 
two of those were for touchdowns that went for 86 and 66 yards. There were three Steelers plays of over 44 yards. I say all of this because explosives absolutely prepared, propelled them to that win. And it is something Seattle has done a pretty good job of stopping lately. Absolutely. If you, you know, we go back to that 49ers loss and the explosives really killed the Seahawks. They had, I think, 12 total explosives allowed, four of them over 40 yards. And every one of those either was a touchdown or on a drive that ended in a touchdown in a game. The 49ers scored exactly four touchdowns. So that was the story of the game for the defense since then. Nine total explosive plays, only one of those longer than 20 yards. And that was a QB scramble on a broken play by Ryan Tannehill. So they have drastically cleaned things up in that regard. I think the Titans had one explosive passing play, a 17-yard gain. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I really like the Seahawks' corners, and I like their chance to stay on top. Like, look, Pickens is a great player. He's going to make some plays. But to Bobby's point, there's a difference between letting a guy get some catches and letting him get behind you for those big touchdowns. Well, it is the second time you talk about all those explosive plays that Seattle has held an opponent's under 20 points. They did that earlier in the season, week six and week seven. So corralling Pittsburgh, that'll be one of the keys on that one. Not turning the ball over is another key because the best turnover differential in the league belongs to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not know that, Jen. I should have. You should have. It's right here in black and white in the I, book that's know, sitting in front of you. I don't have you. that page in front of me Okay, right now. well, then I'm going to hit you up with notes not, on that page in just a second. I have not written my game second. preview stuff yet that would have included that. So. Well, we'll work on but that in just I'm a little bit. It. Yeah, well, you know, while you're doing that, I'll buy you a little bit of time. You talked to Pete Carroll about this. He says it's to be expected because it's Mike Tomlin, and you know exactly what to expect from a Mike Tomlin coach team. They're going to be very aggressive, and not only – do you have the ability to take the ball away? You've got the best pass rusher in the league when it comes to T.J. Watt. Mike is a little different in how they use him and all, but it's they're extraordinarily uh, gifted at, at what it takes to be a pass rusher, and that's that length and quickness and explosion and athleticism and sense and timing and feel, all of those things to be that high a caliber player. You know, it's not just how fast you are, how big you are. It's, it, there's so many other things going, and to sustain over years and continue to be a really impacting player, that's a whole different level, you know, of, of guy. And, and uh, those guys you mentioned are all they're way out there. They're all very exceptionally gifted with their, their physique and the physical side of what they have to offer. Yeah, and I think Watt is a big reason why that turnover differential is what it is because when you have elite pass rushers, they are forcing fumbles on sacks. They are rushing passers into bad decisions. They can lead to interceptions. So, yeah, it does not surprise me, A, that a well-coached team under Mike Tomlin would be high in, in turnover differential, and B, that a team with one of the best pass rushers in the NFL is creating a lot of turnovers because Pete Carroll always brings that up when he talks about pass rush. You affect the quarterback, that's when the ball gets gets lost one way or another. 17 sacks for T.J. Watt. That is the most in the NFL. He's also got 33 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles. One of the reasons the Steelers' defense is allowing just under 20 points a game, 19.4. That is the seventh fewest in the league. Before we get to the Seahawks' pass rush and the positive comments that Pete Carroll had, I'd like to point out that for as strong as that front seven and that front four is for the Steelers, their backside has been completely decimated by injuries on this one. The corners, the safeties, they've all been moving around. You've got Joey Porter Jr. who moved into a starting role at corner. That's going to be a fun matchup with DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's been, they've been using him a lot to shadow guys and 
stay with team's number one guys, but it, I was listening to Tomlin's press conference this week, and he kind of made the point with the Seahawks receivers, it's a little hard to do that because if you want to put too much attention on DK Metcalf, they got other guys that can get after you. So that's a real strength, I think, of the Seahawks offense right now is making it tough on secondaries. I think it's just kind of fun. You see two guys on the field whose dads played in the league. Yeah. Whose dads we actually might have covered in the league. We'll move quickly past that one. (laughs) Patrick Peterson, also part of that defense. He is a three-time All-Pro at corner, but he started the last two games at safety. How about that? Yeah. You know, more you can do, I guess. But we see a lot of, not a lot, there are defensive backs we've seen in their careers make that transition as they get older. And I don't want to say he's lost a step, but, you know, you you do get to a point in career where maybe you've just a tiny bit of the quickness or whatever and obviously need facilitates it with injuries, as you brought up. But it's that, that move has worked out really well for some guys in their careers. Well, it has, and it can extend his career. And uh, Patrick Peterson was saying it was something that he never thought of at the beginning of his career. I mean, very few people do. And Pete Carroll said when they saw him at the football camp that USC yeah. hosted, best player at his position by far. So yeah. he's not surprised that he took to him playing safety so well. But I would venture to guess that with Peterson, it is out of need more than uh, for injury reasons, yeah, more, more than, than he needs to because move, he yeah. was playing corner to start. Yeah. I'm just very interested to see what that looks like. But they've managed to piece together a secondary despite a ton of injuries this year. Yeah. Now, let's turn things around and talk about Seattle's defense, because we talked about what they've done to limit those explosive plays. The other side of it, John, you've got the numbers right there in front of you. That run defense is still a bit baffling. And I'm wondering how much of this is the trade-off when you only have so many resources on the field, right? And you throw so much at stopping those explosive plays because you understand how much that changes a game that sometimes you just let those running numbers get up there on you. And to be fair, you face some really good running backs in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, led by Derrick Henry, obviously. And they they did get better in the second half of that game, to be sure. It was kind of rough in the first half. Um, And look, Bobby Wagner was asked that very thing, like, okay, is that that the trade-off? And he's like, it shouldn't be. I mean, yeah, there's realities of if you're going to play a little different in the secondary, it might leave you a little lighter in the box. But his point is like, guys got to do their job, and we need to take care of it either way. Um, I will say that, you know, when you were talking about the explosives earlier, even with that, they're still not giving up the last couple of games the huge runs. They've been giving up too many chunk, you know, 8, 10 yarders, but the explosive numbers have still been pretty good. So it hasn't been a disaster by any means, but that is something they know they want to clean up going forward. I would also say in watching that game last week, look, Derrick Henry is a different type of runner yeah. out there, man. And he is going to fight forward and he's going to fall forward and get those yards. But to your point, this wasn't Christian McCaffrey cutting back four different times and running 72 yards. I mean, there were bodies to the ball. They were hitting him. They were making him work for those yards. That's just what he does. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a unique. We hear from players who go against him all the time. There's just such a rare combination of size and athletic ability that you can make the right play and be there two yards from the line of scrimmage and it still might be a six, eight-yard game Well, he's just that good. Yeah, you are going to be facing a good running back yes, again this are. week in Najee Harris, and it doesn't matter who is carrying the rock. Pete Carroll knows that there needs to be some adjustments. Yeah, we've been rope doping here the last couple of weeks, you know. That's an old reference, right? We, we, um, it's not where we want it, and uh, it's not how we like it, uh, yet it's, it's been a 
a, an interesting balance because the passing game has really been been quite uh, along with that. So um, it's not what we want at all. Uh, the second half of the game last week, you know, I think we gave up 40 yards rushing or something like that. And that's a terrific turnaround because we, we got knocked around in the first half and the quarterback had some some big carries and all that. But to be able to adjust and fix and, and, and get a winning fix is, is what's crucial and, and to keep the points down, whatever that combination is. If that's the way it continues, that's the way it continues. I don't know. Yeah, and that's I think that last part's really important of keeping the points down. They don't want to be giving up you know 150 plus rushing yards, but I do think there is some willingness to trade off. You you might get beat by a few, you know, again eight ten yard runs if it cleans up all the back end issues they're having earlier. Um, look, this defense, I to me they've just gotten a lot better the last couple of weeks overall. The points are down. You're making teams when you make teams work hard to drive down the field. It's a lot harder for them to score. So I think this is a good chance for them to to build off that. And as Pete Carroll said, hopefully clean up the def- the running side of it as well. And if you're going to talk about the defense making them drive the length of the field, you also have to talk about Michael Dixon. Yeah, I mean he is doing a heck of a job. He's having. I know great we don't. Season. We've got to. I have got to interview Michael Dixon. In a post-game interview, he sneaks out pretty fast. But if I've already talked to the kicker and the long snapper, the special team trifecta would also be the punter. Yeah, he's been awesome. He's on my list. I mean, when you have a guy that can, you know, like they had, they put it out of their own end zone. His heels are on the end zone. He kicks at 63 yards. Like that's a big factor in a game when if you don't hit that punt while the other team's starting at the 35, 40-yard line, instead you get them back on the other side of the field. So he makes a difference. Okay, so I'm going to give him a little bit of credit helping the defense out, also the pass rush. You were surprised at a couple of the numbers that I brought up. I was a little surprised to look at the total number of sacks for the Seahawks and where they were in the NFC. Tied for first with the 49ers. I, Honest to goodness, it did not feel like that. I know that there was a number. We got to the quarterback much better in the second half last week. I know that they have come in spurts, but mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like that pass rush has been as consistent as what it actually has been, and part of it is because it's been an evolution. I'm, I'm really fired up about them. You know, I think we're leading the NFC in sacks or something like right now, or it's tied with somebody, or whatever. We're way up there. It's a good statement, and uh, it's a really, it's a really good part of our game. This was a game plan that we we went into knowing we had to get the pass rush uh, revved up. Uh, it, really, the pressure was on the guys in that regard. We talked straight up about it and, and called on them, and then they came through and got it done right from the early part of the game. You know, and the message was sent clear and helped us out again. Yeah, I, you know, the pass rush has been a little up and down this year, to your point, which is why I think it didn't seem like as big a numbers. And obviously you throw an 11-sack game in there, that's going to help quite a bit. But I think what we're seeing is there's been sort of an adjustment period of you lose Nuosu, who's probably your best guy in that whole group. You bring in a Leonard Williams, who's obviously an awesome player, but it's, it's going to take some time for guys to adjust, get used to each other, play off each other. And that move had the trickle-down effect of we're seeing Draymond Jones more outside, new role for him. All that took some time to kind of gel, and now we're seeing where they've been looking a lot better in that pass rush. They didn't have any sacks against the Eagles, but we've you know we've heard from Pete Carroll, we've heard from Clint Hurt that a lot of that was by design. That was a contain Jalen Hurts game, not a get after the pass rusher game. And you know, outside of that, they've that pass rush has been pretty productive the last few weeks. I go back to the Dallas game; nobody had sacked Dak Prescott for three or four games. They got him four times in that game. So really, going back about that far, pass rushes look pretty good. That was one of our jinxes. It was. We did it. We did it. We did it. You mentioned J- Draymond Jones playing a little bit more outside. That also plays into run defense a little bit because yeah. he and I talked about it last week. It's like, yeah, well, there's some continuity there in 
Rundy that we don't talk about very much either. But last week when Jordan Brooks goes out and now you've got to put Devin Bush in there, but you were already playing Devin Bush in the box a little bit more because Jamal Adams wasn't playing. Like there's yeah, there's, there's so many factors. That. We focus on that front group and for good reason. It is timing and it is understanding how your partner is going to rush next to you when you are trying to get to the quarterback. But I do think that some of this evens itself out when you have all of your guys on the field. Having said that, it's probably going to be a little bit more Devin Bush this week as Jordan Brooks is dealing with an ankle injury. Yeah, Pete Carroll said it's going to be hard for him to get back. Didn't practice yesterday, so very good chance Devin Bush has a starting role this week, which, you know, cool for him against his former team, his chance to go out and play a big role in this game. Yeah, I talked to him about that this week. He was like, yeah, I don't really care. I was like, really? I don't believe like the you. The <laughs> team, the team that drafted you. He goes, why would I care? I've played almost an entire year here in Seattle. This is who I'm. This is who I'm loyal to. I was like, yeah, but I thought maybe. He goes, nope. Um, you know, like when I'm done, I'm done. I was like, yeah. I get that. Like when I'm done, I'm Good done. For him. I, I get that. Another um, player whose dad played in the NFL, by the way. Back to that topic. Yeah, I didn't cover his dad though. No, but yeah, just we brought That's, it up earlier. Yeah. I need to stop. We're going to stop bringing that one up. That's going to be one of the taboo the, topics. Hey, we're old. That's, <laughs> does somebody want to sponsor that segment? Because that would be great. We've spent a lot of time talking about defense. Defense wins championships, although I'm not so sure that that is true for fantasy owners. But either way, it is a big weekend for fantasy owners. Scott Engel, our fantasy insider, has more. Thanks, Jen and John. Welcome to Fantasy Super Bowl Week. And congratulations if you made it this far. But at the same time, don't overthink your lineup decisions. Go with the guys that brought you here and don't sit your stars based on a matchup. In Week 16, Tyrell Lockett caught eight passes and surpassed the 80-yard receiving mark for the second time in three weeks. In Week 17, he has a top 15 wide receiver cornerback matchup grade against the Pittsburgh cornerbacks on Pro Football Focus. The the Seahawks will look to lock it in an important game to make key catches, and he will deliver for you as a fantasy wide receiver three in your most important game of the season. Elsewhere, wide receiver, rookie Rashi Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs has caught six-plus passes in each of his last five games, and he has a touchdown reception in two of his last three. The Bengals have allowed the second-most receiving yards to wide receivers over the past four weeks. Also, Zay Flowers is a must-start fantasy wide receiver three against Miami. He has two games of 10-plus targets and a touchdown reception in his last three outings. Also, stick with James Cook at running back of the Buffalo Bills as he faces the New England Patriots. The Patriots are tough against the run, but they can be exposed by receiving backs. New England has allowed the most receptions and second most receiving yards to running backs over the last four weeks. And in the first meeting with New England this season, Cook had 102 scrimmage yards and a receiving touchdown. So keep the faith in him. Ty Chandler is in position to rush for a touchdown for his third straight game. The Packers ranked 27th in rushing yards allowed to running backs. Also, the Eagles ranked 23rd in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs over the last four weeks. So look to James Conner for an adequate amount of volume and ample fantasy production. At quarterback, expect a bounce-back game from Brock Purdy. He faces Washington, which has allowed the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Purdy is a top-five fantasy quarterback for this week. 
At tight end, once again, Trey McBride is my number one player at the position. Start him over anybody else. He has been one of the most two productive players at tight end in fantasy football since week eight. He is tied for the most fantasy points per game at tight end since week eight, averaging 15.8 PPR points during that span. For more championship game recommendations, go to Seahawks.com, go to the news page and the Fantasy Insider tab for my latest column where I also highlight... Marshawn Lynch in 2011 and the fantasy feat that he pulled off and why it should serve as a lesson not to bench your fantasy stars in your fantasy Super Bowl. Also, check out my lineup rankings at rotoballer.com and more fantasy analysis from me at thegameday.com. Back to you, John and Jen. Thank you, Scott. We've spent a lot of time talking about the defense. How about a couple of offensive notes and offensive keys, I would say, to this week's game. We'll get to the wide receivers in just a second. When you look at this run game, do they need more yards than they are getting from it right now? Or is it a little bit like what we're talking about on the defensive side of things of, look, as long as the end numbers work in your favor, there is a trade-off that you are willing to deal with. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're winning games, so that's great. But I think for this team to be what it can be, and if you want to say, hey, this is a team that's going to make some noise in the playoffs, then yeah, they need to run the ball more and run it, you know, get more yards by the end of the game. And maybe that's just more yards because you actually build a early lead and you're running out the clock instead of trying to come back like they've been doing the last couple of victories. Uh, you know, the the common thing I've seen in these last couple of games in the first half when they're not running the ball is just – too many long situations where you have a bad first down play, a, you know, a false start, a neg- you know, you try to run it and it's a negative play, just things like that where you get you're suddenly in second long. I mean, they tried to run. They you go back through the drives yes last week, ton of first down runs to Kenneth Walker, especially in the first half. They just they weren't popping them, and when once you get behind the sticks, there it really takes away your run game. And I think there is still a learning curve. For Ken Walker on some of those runs, and certainly for Zach Charbonnet, too. But some of that timing up front is not quite, I think, where you want it when you talk to some of the former players on just maybe getting there a little bit before the block is set up, right? You've got Mm -hmm. to learn how to slow your speed just a little bit and adjust to that one. So, uh, you know, there's some... There's some room and some opportunity there, but you have to like what you are getting downfield, whether it's been DK Metcalf coming up with a big catch. Of course, there's Tyler Lockett anytime you need a third down. God, I love watching him on those final drives. Yeah. It's so good. His awareness of where he is on the field, getting out of bounds. He knows the yards that he's going to get. He does the right thing, preserves time. I thought that was great. I would also like to point out, as I was watching games on Christmas Day, Because we have watched the Seahawks in that two-minute drill the last two weeks, truly the timing of getting up off the field, getting the ball to the official, getting the ball snapped, you can tell that not every team practices that because I watched that on Monday and I'm like, I think think you guys forgot. There's no time left. Let's go. You don't have a timeout. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, over the years, you go back to the Russell Wilson years, this team has been great on late game situations. And you can credit, you know, the quarterbacks obviously do their job. I think Russell Wilson always thrived in those situations. Geno's been great in them. You know, you give credit to the playmakers and all that, but the consistency of it across multiple coordinators, quarterbacks, players, I think that speaks to what we heard from Geno Smith last week was they practice it a ton. 
Like at he's, full speed. He's played for a lot of different teams, mm-hmm. some really good offenses, played under some great quarterbacks, and he came here and was like, okay, this team does this a lot, and it's a big focus, and that pays off in those moments. And Jackson Smith and Jigba has come up really big Man. in those moments. What <laughs> He is so fun to watch and just so understated yeah. on the field. I, I will not get tired of watching him make these big yeah. catches. Yeah, I mean, you've got – you come in to – a team with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and you are all of a sudden the go-to third-down guy. I mean, he's been targeted more on third-down than either of those guys. He's making these big catches, 18 yards on third and 14. One that I think we kind of overlooked because it wasn't the final drive, they're pinned at their four-yard line. First play of that drive, 20-yard completion over the middle. Like, that changes the entire feel of that drive in one play. So he's – and then obviously two game winners this year. He's just – done some big things already by the way i wanted to see him in that third down role since week one i know it yeah. took a while to grow well, into you know he was I, playing with a broken wrist i know and i know i know on his hand i know and missed a lot of camp i yeah. i know it's also one of the reasons pete carroll feels the way he does about jsn he's really a special kid he's so composed and, and so confident he knows he's going to make the plays that he's making you know and, and he just expects it which is what you know, great players do. He has no question, no, he doesn't doubt anything that, he, that he's faced with. You know, he's got this remarkable confidence and all that and the, the ability to go with it. He would never be able to do that if he didn't have this great ability that taught him over the years that that's who he is, you know. But it, it's even more than that. And I think you're, you're te- he's, he's a great competitor. He's really smart. It makes sense to him. Uh, he can do things once and he's got it, you know. And, and uh, so remarkably valuable first-year player because of all of that. Yeah, and I think w- what P. Carroll really outlined well, well there is – yeah, there's obviously the physical ability. He's a first-round pick for a reason. He was a star at Ohio State for a reason. But it's that composure. It's that, I mean, he's such a chill dude. You talk to him after games, you watch him after a big touchdown, and he's just, he's so level. And I think in those big moments, it allows him to, I mean, plenty of receivers, not just rookies, but any receiver might not get the right check to go on that go ball for the game winner two weeks ago. And yet here's this rookie who's like, oh, okay, I got one-on-one. I do this, boom, game winner. Like, it's... It's really fun to see, and I know the numbers aren't super gaudy because, A, he got a slow start with the injury, and, B, you're playing with two other elite receivers. But, man, he's a good player. It's really fun. I asked him after the game, you know, if they stop feeling like big catches, right? He's had so many big catches. Does it ever stop? He goes, hey, it's just kind of the next catch that Mm -hmm. needs to be made. Like, of course it is. Yeah. I thought it was a good question. Turns out it was a stupid question because, well, you know, he just looks at it as the next catch. Uh, We're going to gather our thoughts, come back with what we need to see for a Seahawks win right after a word from our presenting sponsor. Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii, the emerald green hills of Scotland, the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. I would expect a colorful and rowdy crowd at Lumen Field on Sunday, New Year's Eve. Get that celebration going early with the Seahawks win, right? Yeah. I mean, they might be getting the celebrations going a little earlier than we do with a few beverages and snacks yeah, before I the would, game. Yeah, I would hope so. It's New Year's Eve, you know. I mean, I'm Holiday just drinking season. coffee. I don't know what you're talking they should, about. Fans should get after uh, it. Well, <laughs> you know what? Be loud. You know what would help? An early Seahawks lead and a Seahawks win to get after it. John, what do you got? What's the two things? 
Well, we talked about that takeaway or the turnover differential for the Steelers. They have 24 takeaways, which is two away from the league lead. Seahawks turnover free the last two games. Not surprisingly, they won them both. They're five and one this season when they don't turn the ball over. So I think a big part of that is dealing with Watt. And if you can keep him from wrecking the game and getting the ball away from you, just take care of the ball. Other side of it, I want to keep up with stopping those explosives that we talked about. Just you don't let them get get the chunk plays. I should not have let you go first. Sorry. I mean, that's exactly I, what I was going to say. Well, you can just say, I agree with John. I agree with John, <laughs> but how about this? I'd like some extra yards in the return game this sure, week. Sure, that sounds good. I fun. think that uh, Pittsburgh has a good special teams unit, too. I'd like to see ours go toe-to-toe and, and have a game-changing, game-breaking play. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Let's and I'll it. just say, I agree with you 100%. Hey, I thanks. also say that we will see you back here next time for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. 